have the joy of being able to receive this morning uh, is my friend Paul Johnson, who's not a stranger to this house and has become an even more deeply connected friend, not only here, but uh, with this house. It's just one of those things where, like, I love anybody that will come in and bring the word and edify us, rebuke us, do whatever we need. I love anybody that will stand in the place as a messenger of the Lord. But that, I don't always deeply connect with everybody that does that. I don't think that's realistic. But when, when you do find a man that you deeply connect with, um, you slow down a minute because it's rare. And I ask questions not just like, hey, what are you going to bring? What are you going to preach? But I, w- I want to know what's going on in his heart. I want to know what's going on in his life. He pastors an incredible, he's not really a pastor, but he helps lead a, an incredible uh, team at uh, our father's house in Avon, Indiana. Some of them are here. Daniel, where's your family? Are you guys, yeah, right back here. They came down to Indiana to be with us today. Y'all welcome them, man. It's just incredible. Such a kingdom connection. I've been up there. Effa's going to go up there. Paul's standing here wishing I'd be quiet so he could get started, but I'm going to drag him out a little bit. We have a standing kind of policy here at Antioch that when you're done, you get to get up and go. And nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to be upset. But what we refuse to do is rush this part. I want him to share with us. He didn't drive down from Avon to, or fly down from Avon to bring us a 25-minute homily. Like, we need the word of the Lord this morning, right? And Paul is an apostolic leader. Um, God is using him. He's got, uh, he hates this part. So I'm just going to do it because you need to hear it and you need to know why we honor him. Um, the touch of God on his life is impacting scores of lives regionally. God's given him favor down here in the southeastern United States. Um, there are many churches led by men that are older than him that look to Paul for some of the wisdom that God has given him at a relatively younger age. And unless something's changed during worship, I know the word that he's going to bring. I know some of it this morning. And we need to just go ahead and submit our ears to the word of the Lord. How many of you would be willing, how many of you can trust Jesus enough right now to just say, Lord, I'm going to submit to the word of the Lord? Like, that's what you do. You don't wait to hear it and then say, mm, I don't know or not. And obviously, we're talking about as long as it's in accordance with truth. But you just go ahead. As sometimes faith is you just take a blank piece of paper, you sign your name at the bottom, and you say, Lord, fill in what I need to say yes to. So we're going to do that right now. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give it over to Paul. So when I hear babies crying like that, brother, I, I don't think of just in the natural. I think of us crying out for Father. And I know that he's given you the word this morning. And I know you've got everything you need. So we bless you. You're a gift to this house. You're a gift in the kingdom. And brother, we just bend the ear today. Give us what God has given you. We need what he's given you today. And I trust you. I trust you. It's my delight to hand you this. These are important moments for this house. God has connected you to Antioch Outpost, not merely as a guest preacher, but as a voice. So, Father, I'm asking you to bless your son, Paul. Holy Ghost, come and anoint him. Anoint his mouth. Anoint his mind. Anoint his tongue. We bind any interfering spirit that would dare to raise anything to oppose what's going to be released this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're muzzling demons with holy fire. They will not speak, and your servant will. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, AO family. Good morning, Georgia. It has snowed in Indiana three times this year, and by God's grace, I have not been there all three times. 
It snowed this weekend. I said, hallelujah. I flew out Friday morning, and I got a text from my wife playing with the boys in the snow and sledding with our friends. So it is so good to be here. I love what God is doing here in this house, don't you? As someone who does not live here, who is not from here, and who has uh, been sent by the Lord to you this morning, I have a word that God wants me to deliver, but before I get into the message, I felt stirred from the Lord to share something prophetically with you. When we were here in December, the Lord whispered a verse of Scripture to me, and I didn't know the chapter in the verse, I just knew it was in the book. Anybody ever had that experience before? Not all of us know exactly the chapter in the verse in the Bible like Jeff Lyle. But I, I had to go search for it and, and look it up. And the verse of Scripture, I believe, was a word for this house. And it comes out of Lamentations 1.9. And Lamentations 1.9, part of it says, She did not consider her future, therefore her fall was great. Another translation says, She did not consider her destiny, therefore her downfall was massive. I feel the fear and the weight of the Lord in delivering this to you. I have a concern. This is just me speaking as an outsider, coming in, praying, fasting, asking God to fill my heart and my mind with, Jesus, what would you say to your people here in Bethlehem, Georgia? And he dropped that in my spirit when my family and I were here in December. They did not consider their future, therefore their fall was great. Now, I believe it's a word of warning, but I also believe it's a word of wisdom to you all that you must consider your future. I have a concern that the, the depth and the magnitude of what God the Father wants to do with this house in this region and in this state, my concern is that it's lost on some of you. That you think that this is just another church or maybe you like the music or you like the ministry that's here but you're not really connected, you're not really established and rooted and I want to call you as an outsider to put down roots here in this house because this is good soil and what God is doing here is real. You all need to consider your future. You need to consider your destiny in the kingdom of God. There are not that many places, I regret to inform you, that are really trying to walk in fivefold ministry realities. Now, there are a lot of places that'll say, yeah, we believe in apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, but the reality is it all rests on one man, and that man isn't Jesus, it's whomever we call pastor. And you know that many pastors aren't pastors. And religion causes us to put a set of expectations on men and women that they have no grace from God to fulfill, and both parties end up miserable. But I'm not here to talk about the fivefold ministry. I'm here to talk today about those that are following another Jesus. We live in a sobering hour. We live in times where darkness is spreading across the face of the earth and many are unexpecting and many are ignorant and many quite honestly have believed in a faith that has encouraged them to stick their head in the sand. I hear a lot of messages of people saying, this is what you shouldn't get involved in. This is where you shouldn't go, and this is what you shouldn't say. And I think most of it is largely demonic because it's the enemy wanting to neuter the church, and he wants to take away your voice and your choice. I'm here to tell you Jesus shed his blood on the cross to give us our voice and give us our choice. Choose this day whom you will serve and lift your voice to glorify the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have far too much neutrality in the church. I believe that lukewarmness is a huge issue. This nation is lukewarm in faith. There are 
buildings much bigger than this all over this nation right now at this hour and those on the west coast that will be filling full of people that say I know Jesus I love Jesus they'll say amen to Jesus is my Savior and my Lord but if you were to look into the reality of their lifestyle you would not find the substance of Christ we have taught people that it's just about what you confess with your lips. If you just name the name of Jesus, you're saved. Faith always produces accompanying works. It's actually good pastoring, good shepherding, and good leadership to approach people and say, the fruit of your life and the decisions in your lifestyle suggest that you may not even be saved. But the lukewarm church trains you to look the other way. And we do this whole thing where we say conviction is the Holy Spirit's job. Did Jesus say first take it out of your own eye so that you can then address your brother? I don't like hypocrisy any more than the next person, but we've got to do some looking in the mirror. So I want to challenge you as you listen to this message. Please do not think about anybody else. Don't think about your heathen family. Don't think about your family that's incarcerated. Don't think about your friends that walked away from the faith. I dare you to think about you for the next few moments. Allow the Holy Spirit to examine, to wash, to convict. Did you know that conviction is a very precious and sacred thing? We should thank God for conviction. But many people are busy running from conviction. We've had scores of people leave our church in Indiana and basically some of them even verbally admitted, I don't like coming to your church because it makes me feel conviction. The real shame is not that they left our church. The real problem is that they were able to find a multitude of places where they could go in and hide where they could go sit in the back somewhere and just watch other people worship rather than know God for themselves. Because they're following another Jesus. Because they don't really, at the end of the day, know the Son of God experientially and thoroughly and accurately. He is not really real to them. You know how you can tell? The minute that it causes us to sacrifice, we begin to back out and walk away. Was there not just a call to serve in this house? How many people want to serve? I can tell you as a church planner, as a leader, not that many. Oh, we all want to be a part of the fun stuff, but who wants to care for someone else's kids so that mom and dads can get touched by the Lord's presence? Who, the, these carpets don't vacuum themselves. If this is to be a kingdom family, then it's time to everybody get in the game. We all need more skin involved in the game. We need to up our sacrifice and up our obedience and up our commitment. How many people think it's normal to go to a church service once a month? And walk in the doors 30 minutes to an hour after things started. Can I tell you with love in my heart, I know that you don't show up to work that late that often or they'd fire you. So maybe your income is more important than his presence and your priorities need to shift. If you actually believe that Jesus was in the meeting, I promise you wouldn't show up late. If you actually believe Jesus was riding in your car with you, that might change what you listen to, would it not? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11. I want to look in the Word of God together. And I am praying this morning that eyes and ears would be opened. This is now my third time ministering in this house and every single time if you've been paying attention the Lord has sent me here with a word about deception and if you remember it is easier to deceive people than it is to convince people they've been deceived 
It's easier to deceive somebody. It's easier to pull the wool over someone's eyes than it actually is to convince someone you have been deceived, you have believed lies, you have been following another Jesus who is not the Son of God. Read with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writes in verse 2, he says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Now stop right here and let me make a few comments. True apostolic fathers want something for you, not from you. One of the primary differences between real shepherds and hirelings is that shepherds want something for you. They don't need anything from you. We have propped ministers and pastors up on pedestals that really want something from you. But God is raising up servants of the bride of Christ in this hour who have one desire, and it's to betroth the bride to the bridegroom king who is Jesus, who actually function as eunuchs and don't touch the bride for their own pleasure and for their own gain. Where are the preachers that will show up and preach for free? Where are the preachers that would go and minister if there were eight or ten or twelve hungry souls in a room? If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. We have promoted the gift rather than character and real service. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. There's godly jealousy that wants something for you. There's demonic jealousy that is full of envy and desires what you have. See, we all need to make peace with God about who we are not. It's very freeing when you can look in the mirror and thank God for who he didn't make you to be and for the gifts that he did not give you. It actually frees you to just authentically be who God made you to be. To fulfill the assignment with the grace that he gave you. And you won't have to be a chameleon in this environment and then change in that environment because God has healed you and set you free and you know who you are. There are many people in this house that have a great call of God upon your life, but I urge you, find out who you are before you try to figure out what God has called you to do. Identity must be the foundation of all that you do for the Lord. Otherwise, your ministry will become your identity, and both of those ships will sink. The only ship that cannot sink is sonship. Because it's not about what you do, it's about who you are in Him. Amen? So he says, I betrothed you to one husband. Imagine that, fidelity, faithfulness. Verse 3, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. How did the serpent deceive Eve? I spent almost 30 minutes back here in September teaching out of Genesis chapter 3. Some of you can go back and listen to it. I won't summarize it all again. But very simply, the serpent deceived Eve. Eve and he lied to her and she began to see the boundaries of God as restrictive rather than protective. God said, of all these trees you may eat except for this one. And then she began after talking with the serpent. Some of you need to stop listening and talking to serpents. Stop listening to demons and people that are full of them. Their opinion really doesn't matter. But she starts to feel like, 
God's holding out on me. He knows that in the day that I eat of this tree, I will become like God, knowing good and evil. And Eve is now deceived by the serpent, and sin enters the world. Did you notice here that it's your minds that are led astray? We have a thinking problem in the body of Christ. Thinking is the level at which sin begins. This is really all about your thought life. This is about what you entertain. This is about what you behold. This is about what fills your heart and your mind. And if you are not being instructed and rooted and grounded in the word of God, you will be led astray. The enemy will convince you to think about anything other than the truth of who God is. The problem with part-time Christians is that the devil is employed full-time and he will not leave you alone until you bow and you acquiesce and until you get off of serving Jesus Christ. See, some of you, you began to give God your all. You began to really put all that you have and all that you are on the table. And then a swirl of confusion and persecution and craziness erupted in your life. And it caused you to back away from the table. And it wanted to make you lukewarm and uncommitted. But God wants you to step forward again today and put everything you have and everything you are back before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if he is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So he says, I'm afraid. When you read that Paul, an apostle, would dare to write under the inspiration of the Spirit, I'm afraid we should pay attention. I'm afraid that you've been deceived. How have you been deceived? Verse 4. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached... Or you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you've not accepted. You bear this beautifully. Now it doesn't mean, wow, you, you really did a good job. No, the Greek here means that you put up with it and you don't seem to really care. I don't know how many people are so lukewarm in their faith, they have so little conviction that when people preach another Jesus, when they represent a different spirit and a different gospel, we say, oh, to each his own. Oh, not my problem, not my monkeys, not my circus. No, that circus is going to burn down and kill you and your kids. We've not wanted responsibility We've wanted it easy. We've invented a faith that minimizes risk and maximizes pleasure because deep down we've been deceived to think that the gospel is about us when the gospel is about God, when the good news is about who He is. It's not about what He wants to do for you. All that will come later. It's about being gripped and beholding the beauty, the majesty, the holiness, the worthiness of who Jesus Christ really is. The, the, the Lord was speaking to me during worship and I felt grieved in my heart and I began to cry and the Lord said to me, there are many here today that have not really seen me. You've heard the rules. You've heard the do's and don'ts. You've felt the weight of conviction, but you've not really seen Jesus. Because to see Him, to behold Him, is to know Him and to love Him. And you will volunteer freely in the day of His power. Nobody will have to beg you. Nobody will have to convince you. You will know Him for yourself. See, we have people that are convinced and people that are not so sure. And that's who I came for today is those that are you're just not sure. I want to encourage you that God has a word for you. And it's to come out from following another Jesus and follow the Jesus who is the Son of God. The one who rose from the dead. The one who can set you free. If you are following Jesus and addiction is still ruling your life, you have not really seen the Son of God. Because He would not leave you that way. We have preached a Jesus that loves people in their sin but leaves them there. 
Jesus, the Son of God, would never leave you in your sin. He would never leave you in your addiction. He would set you free and heal you and raise you up. Who am I talking to this morning? Who's got a testimony? Who's got a history? Who's got a whole lot under the blood of Christ that you're grateful for? Don't be ashamed of your past. Don't be ashamed of your sin. Jesus has delivered you and set you free. But if you still have some things in the closet, if you still have some things that you don't want anybody to know about, those are the hooks of Satan that he will use to crush you. And he might just prop you up as his puppet so that he can destroy you and take a whole bunch of people out with you. Are you following another Jesus? I pray you're not. I pray you really know the Son of God who liberates us and sets us free, who loves us, who cares for us, who sees and knows our lives. Did you know that Jesus wants to tell you what to do? Well, it's quiet in here. Oh, we, this is the generation of can't nobody tell me nothing. Now that's rebellion and lawlessness and sin. Jesus wants to tell you what to do. Why? Because he knows best. I'm tired of living my own way, doing my own thing. I will end up destroying myself. I already did that. I had a period of my life where all I could think about was killing myself. It consumed my thoughts and my mind. I just want to get off earth. I don't even belong here. I'm worthless and hopeless and purposeless and meaningless and directionless. If you feel that way, those are lies from the pit of hell. If God delivered me, he can deliver you. There is hope, there is meaning, there is purpose, and it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus. Don't you ever apologize for it. The heart of the Father is inclusive. He desires that none would perish, that all would come to know him. But the way to the Father is exclusive. It's only through his Son. We have flipped those, and we have preached a God of inclusion. Some of you are tracking with me. We have preached a God of tolerance and acceptance. We have wanted to preach a gospel with results, without rejection. Therefore, we have preached acceptance rather than repentance. You have entire preachers and ministries. If you listen to them with a keen ear, oh, they're never going to talk to you about hell. They're not going to mention repentance. They're not going to mention the whole basis and foundation of the gospel message. Why? We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Why? Because the God of tolerance worships people's feelings. Our palate for truth is so small that if it's not encouraging, it can't be God. Some of you aren't feeling encouraged right now, but you're waking up. Would be better for you to go out mad than just go out. At least maybe you'll think a little bit, because I'm preaching out of love for your soul and where you're going to spend eternity. I don't care if you like me. This isn't for popularity. This is about the truth of who Jesus is and what he came to do for mankind. So how many of you watched the Super Bowl? Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. We watched the Super Bowl. We didn't watch the commercials or the halftime show because I got little kids and I don't need the spirit of the age preaching to my sons. I don't need them to see women that don't have enough clothes on. Don't let those spirits in your home. Some of you had a funky week and a night's sleep. Yeah, because you just let the devil broadcast and preach to you. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. So there was a commercial that aired during the Super Bowl. Anybody saw the He Gets Us commercials? Okay, I want to play the commercial 
to refresh your memory. If you didn't see it, you're going to watch it for the first time. This commercial, it's one minute long, it aired at the beginning of the Super Bowl, and 202 million people watched what you're about to watch. Would you play the video? Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us, all of us. Jesus, love your neighbor. Turn to Luke 14. And the undiscerning and the compromised Christian, many of them amend this because they could not discern the spirit behind it because they themselves are in compromise. Luke 14, verse 25. Now large crowds were going along with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not... You guys read English? If anyone comes to me and does not... Is that what it says? If anyone comes to me and does not hate, who are you supposed to hate? Your father. You ain't heard this gospel. Hate your dad. Now, I know we said leave whenever you want, but please don't leave in this moment. Give me a few minutes. Hate your father. Hate your mother. Mama, I hate you. Don't do that. Who else are you supposed to hate? Your wife. Brothers, that's not a good idea. Hate your wife. Hate your children. Hate your brothers and your sisters. And yes, if you don't hate even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Is that an exclusive statement? Did Jesus just draw out the terms of what it means to be his follower and his disciple? Are we reading the same Bible? Listen, I love tension in rooms. I come alive. And God made me for these moments. You're uncomfortable? Well, the Holy Spirit can comfort you with the truth. Oh, Jesus didn't teach hate. No, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate your father, hate your mother. How many important relationships did he name? Basically, your whole nuclear immediate family, make sure that you hate them. Now, what did he mean? In comparison to our love for Jesus... Our love for our immediate family should be so far away that it looks like hatred. But many people, quite honestly, love their own family more than they love Jesus. They spend more time with their own family than they do Jesus. They give more money to their own family than they do Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't teach hate. No, the word hate came right out of his mouth. Because our love for Him, our devotion to Him, our commitment to Him is to be supreme above all. Otherwise, we put other gods before Him. And we live in idolatry. See, the clarion call of the gospel is not welcome Jesus into your heart and then walk out the door. It's give your whole life to him, call on his name, and then live a life worthy of the call with which he called you. This is an all or nothing proposition, but we've told people that they can do the minimum and get into heaven. We have wanted the benefit and blessings of a relationship with God without the sacrifice and obedience that He requires. We have invented another Jesus. We have propped up preachers to preach Him to us. And He is not the one who can set you free. 
He will leave you in your sin, leave you in your lukewarmness, and look the other way. I'm convinced some people's Jesus, he doesn't vomit it out of his mouth like Revelation 3.16. He just uses it for mouthwash and gurgles it all around. Oh, I love the taste when really the Son of God says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. Decide today. Figure out where you want to be, because can I tell you, we don't need any more hypocrites. We don't need any more people that are preaching him at work and then sleeping with their girlfriend. We don't need any more people that are talking about the Lord and Scripture and affirming lifestyles that are offensive to God. We have preachers that can't even stand behind the pulpit in the Word of God and tell you this is what God loves and this is what God hates. No, the God of inclusion and tolerance has blinded the sheep of God and is turning us into goats. What does Hebrews 1.9 say about Jesus? God the Father says about him that he was anointed with the oil of joy. How many of you want more joy? I do. Do you want more joy? Five of us. Praise the Lord. I don't know what the rest of you want, but joy is a pretty good pitch. I want more joy. How do I get more joy? Well, let's just follow what Jesus did, it says he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed him with the oil of joy far above his companions. So if you don't want just joy, but you want more joy than everybody else, learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Would you put the, the picture up from the video? We, we tried to take a still shot. Not that one. It was the other one with the family clinic, if we can get it. We just pause it. There you go. Pause right there if you can. So I guess this is Jesus washing the feet of a woman who had an abortion. Now there's protesters in the background with pro-life signs, and Jesus isn't with them. Jesus is with her. Now, does God have compassion upon people that have made the horrible mistake of an abortion? Yes, he is merciful. And if you are here today, I want to offer you the forgiveness of the Lord who loves you and wants to heal you so that you don't carry the shame. Actually, you can testify that, you know what, I made that mistake, but life begins at conception, and you can help other women not make the same mistake. You don't have to be silent. You don't have to keep it in the dark because Jesus really can deliver you and help you that much. But apparently Jesus isn't with those that would oppose abortion. This is an agenda. This is demonic. Why? Because the devil wants to kill and steal and destroy as many lives as he can. He wants to kill our sons and daughters. How many people are full of demons that think they're doing the will of God by helping people kill their children? No, you're not a messenger of God. You're a messenger of the devil. You're a child of darkness. But we've lost our conviction. We've wanted to be in both camps. We've wanted to be accepted. We've wanted to be loved by everybody. If you're really going to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are going to make enemies. Jesus actually said in Luke 6, 26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. We have people that are preaching another Jesus. Think with me here just for a second. The Jesus that Paul preached put Ephesus into a riot and got him stoned and imprisoned, yes? The Jesus that James preached got him the sword. The Jesus that Peter preached, they said they were cut to the quick. What must we do to be saved? The Jesus that Stephen preached got him stoned. But the Jesus that many American pastors preach gets them a crowd and a standing ovation. Because they're not preaching Jesus the Christ. 
because they are avoiding the truths. The whole counsel of God is missing. See, my experience in 10 years of public ministry is that people will gather if you talk about grace, if you talk about mercy, if you preach love, and we need those messages, we do. But if you preach righteousness, holiness, repentance, truth, God forbid we talked about his wrath, which is actually upon sinners, by the way. We're supposed to be beckoning people, come out from the wrath of God, come under the blood of Jesus and be saved. But we try to do the whole huggy, pick up your pillow and blanket gospel and just hug people out of hell into heaven. And it does not work. People need to hear the truth. At some point in your gospel witness, you've got to mention the consequences of eternity. You have to or you're not really preaching the real thing. Some of us, we're all about, oh, God loves you, and he does love you. He loved the world so much, he gave his only begotten son. But keep going with me. If you reject him, what do you get? You perish. It's like we just, oh, just forget that part. God so loved the world, he loves you. Jesus gets you. What if it's not about Jesus getting you? What if it's about you getting Jesus? Do you get him? Do you know him? Have you seen him? God, open the eyes of the blind this morning. Turn to Galatians 1. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 6. Again, Paul, the apostle, you know, the, the mean guy. Uh, I, I listen to preachers on social media. Paul here, he was a jerk. Let's not, let's not read this part. Viral videos on Instagram, TikTok, social media. Oh, Paul, he's mean. Let's just focus on the words of Jesus. That's, that's heresy. That's nonsense. Galatians 1, verse 6. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Here we go again. Which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Please do not miss this part. Yes, there are those that want to distort the gospel. Purposefully, intentionally, in a calculated fashion, they are seeking to distort the gospel. Anything to veil the true and good news of Jesus Christ. Because if we could get you to believe a counterfeit, if we could get you to latch on to someone that's not really him, then you will think you are saved when all you've still got is a ticket to hell. This is the essence of deception is people thinking I'm right with God. I know God when really their life is displeasing to him. And by the way, I'm not teaching works. True faith always produces accompanying works. Obedience is not legalism. It's worship unto God. The evidence of love for Jesus is obedience. There's no way around it. At the end of the day, you either do what he says or spit in his face. And when God, by the conviction of his spirit, makes you aware that you have quenched him and grieved him, then you repent and you come out of active sin and you live a life clean and holy and pure before the Lord. But what happens when we delay repentance is conviction morphs into condemnation and then we feel bad when God is actually calling us higher. He's calling us farther. He actually wants something for you. God is a good father. I grieve. I'm going to be in the Atlanta airport tonight. Somebody pray for me. I'm going to be in the Atlanta airport tonight, and I'm going to be surrounded by a sea of human beings that are searching for purpose and meaning apart from God, and they are miserable. 
Oh, they'll tell you they're not miserable, but you know what? They're addicted, they're broken, they're full of bitterness and anger and hatred and violence. They're destroying themselves. Why? Because apart from the good news of who Christ is and what he's done for us, we all end up thinking that we're here to make us happy. And pleasure is a terrible master. Seek your own pleasure and your own desire and you will destroy yourself. You were made to bring God pleasure. You were made to give Him glory. When you realize that the whole constitution and burden of your life is actually to live for Him and not yourself, then you're really set free. But we have told people it's all about you. It's all about what God has done for you. And we miss the part where, yes, you hear the true message that Christ gave his life for you. Why? So that you would give your all in return. So that your life would be one big thank you. But some of us say, hey, thanks so much, Lord. I'm going to go about living my own life now. And that's following another Jesus. How many of you like money? I didn't say love money. All love money's root of all evil, Kendrick B. How many of you like money? How many of you would like a little more money right now in your pocket, okay? Let's play a game. This is my insurance policy that, like, not everybody hates me today, okay? Like, wow, well, he gave me 100 bucks. How many of you want $100? Oh, 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 we got an aggressive brother here, Samuel. Give him a hand. Come on. You just made a hundred bucks. No, keep it. Keep it. Praise the Lord. See, somebody was more excited about that hundred dollars than you, so he got up and he beat you to it. I was always planning just to give it to whoever came up here. It just didn't take long to coax him. Because he's a smart man. How many of you? No. Take a look at that hundred for me, bro. Is that real or fake? It looks real. It ain't real. Here, hand it back to me. It's a counterfeit hundred dollar bill. It's a good fake, isn't it? Looks real. Feels real. Now, if you're the police in here, I can't disclose where I got this from. <laughs> it's a sermon prop and nothing more. I've had it for years. The back literally says, in props we trust. <laughs> These are the kind of things they use for movie props and for production. It looked good. You still, some of you think it's the real deal. But until you go to try to use it, until you go to try to cash it, until you go to try to purchase something with it, until it's actually going to cost you something, uh-oh, I don't have the real deal. I thought I had something. I actually, you don't have any money. You don't have any currency. You don't have any weight or substance. This is the real deal. Huh. I'm going to give it to you because I don't want to dupe anybody. This is the real deal. It has a real serial number. This is yours. Please take it. Give him another hand. No, the counterfeit is not available. But if you want it, it'll be 150 bucks. There are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. This is the era, the hour that we live in. Verse 8. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, hang on, not an angel from hell, <laughs> not a demon, an angel from heaven, even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven would preach to you a gospel contrary to what we've preached to you. He is to be 
that's not a nice word. That's not a kind word. That's not a tolerating word. Let him be accursed. Paul said earlier in 2 Corinthians 11, you bear this beautifully, meaning you put up with nonsense and you're not supposed to. We have accepted a gospel of tolerance. We tolerate Jezebel. We tolerate false teaching. We tolerate foolishness in the house of God. Why? Because we've traded wanting to be equipped for being entertained. Just come in and give me a good show. Make me happy. Give me, you know how many preachers, they tell more jokes than they do preach the truth. They plan their gimmicks and their games and their, we don't need more fog and mirrors and light shows and smoke. We need less polish and more presence. We need real power, real anointing, real truth so that people can understand that this isn't a game, this is not a joke and what you do with Jesus Christ will affect where you spend eternity. There's no purgatory, there's no do-over, there's no whoops, I made a mistake, I'm going to know what you do in this life. Will you live for Christ or will you waste your talents, your gifts and your treasures on yourself? Because there is one who gave all for you and I, who alone is worthy of worship. Let me help you, you're not worthy of worship. You're not worthy of praise. God is. And whatever's good in you is Christ. So many people have believed the secular humanistic gospel, which comes to tell you that deep down, you're really just a good person. Like Jesus, he gave his life for you. You know, all that violence and that blood wasn't really necessary. Well, you're really a good person. No, we're not good people. God calls us evil. He gets us. Jesus gets us so much that he called all of us evil. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father will give good gifts or give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. But don't miss the part where he said of you being evil. We are depraved. We are broken. We are hopeless. We are without God in the world, the scripture says. You and I, our throats are like open graves. Our tongues are venomous and full of poison. And until God gets a hold of us, only he can change the nature of man. Only he can bring real transformation to the human heart. He alone has the power. If you are here today and you are bound in addiction, if you are struggling with depression, if you are suicidal, if you are cutting yourself, if you hate yourself so much that you are drawing your own blood, believe in the one who shed his blood for you so that you don't have to anymore. So that you can live in peace. So that you can know joy. So that you can find real freedom. The purpose, the meaning, the hope of life is Christ alone. There are no other solutions and no other ways. Don't follow another Jesus. Don't follow the Jesus that will wink at your sin. Please don't follow homeboy Jesus. Who's your friend and not your Lord and your master? Listen, if all you ever do is what you want to do, you're not following the Lord. Like he's going to put you up to doing some things that maybe you don't want to do, but you know what? He'll give you the grace and he'll teach you how to crucify your flesh because he put you to death on the cross with him and raised you to new life. Oh, but we all want resurrection, life, and power without crucifixion, death. Give me the benefits and the blessings without the obedience. It doesn't work that way. 
We use surrender and submission interchangeably, and they are not the same thing to God. Surrender is forcible. Submission is of the will. God is after you and I submitting our lives to his lordship. Jesus, I willingly, freely, and joyfully submit my life to you. You have given all for me to set me free, heal me, help me, restore me, and raise me up to new life. I do this willingly, not because I'm forced, not because I'm coerced, not because I I think you're just mad at me and want to obliterate me. No, I have seen, my eyes have seen the king. And I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. When you begin to see Jesus, you realize your deep need. Many of us are blind to our deep need for God. It's called pride. You you needed God when at your moment of salvation and then you have taken that moment and walked right out of it in pride and arrogance. Don't ever let anyone or anything talk you out of your deep need for Jesus. Does anybody need the Lord in here this morning? I desperately, I'm telling you, God moves and God shows up when we pray desperate prayers. When we get past all the plastic and the Play-Doh and we start really confessing from a real place to Him, that's when God shows up. Don't follow homeboy Jesus. Please don't follow life coach Jesus. Life coach Jesus, he's just in your life and he wants to make you more efficient at work. He wants to give you seven steps to a better Saturday. (laughs) He's never going to challenge you to fast and pray and get over yourself. He just wants to comb your hair and kiss you all the time. He ain't combing my hair. Comb my beard maybe. Don't follow tolerant Jesus who looks the other way at sin as if he's not even offended by it. As if he doesn't really care. Just just wink at sin, Jesus. Jezebel always wants to make sin not that big of a deal. It's just, uh, just, it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's how you end up being led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Fear makes everything complicated. The true gospel is really simple. Have you heard the true gospel of Jesus today? Have you heard that there is one seated on the throne who is soon coming back, and you and I will give an account for our lives. Every word, every action, every deed, I encourage you, think about the judgment of Christ more. If we thought about the judgment of Jesus, he's called the judge of the living and the dead, yes. Y'all, I live in Indianapolis, and I drive by one of the largest churches in our area, and on their sign it says, no racism, no judging, just Jesus. No judging, just Jesus, the judge of the living and the dead. Are y'all hearing me? I had a dream last night. God visited me. I had a dream and I saw a multitude of black, nasty, venomous snakes. And these snakes had a bigger head than the body, maybe like a a viper. I don't know. I'm not a snake guy. I'm a Holy Spirit guy. And these snakes were in people's homes. They were in people's yards. They were in their, their, their jobs. It was all these snakes, I was seeing all these snakes everywhere. And I was horrified because people were not 
paying attention to the snake, this deadly, venomous viper is slithering around and people don't even see it. So finally in this dream, I start screaming and yelling and panicking and making an alarm saying, hey, there's snakes all around you. And people turned and looked at the snake and I said, let's cut off the head. Let's cut off the head of the serpent. And do you know what all of them responded and said to me? No, let's not kill it. Let's relocate it. So I watched as all these people got out these little bags. And they started putting these snakes in these bags. And they took these snakes and they took them all and they relocated them. They just moved them away from where they were. They moved them out of their yard and they put them like in the woods behind their house. Are you tracking with me? And then I watched as the snakes reproduced and came back and overwhelmed them and ate them. This is exactly how we treat our sin. Rather than cutting off its head, we like to pet it. We like to move it around. We want to relocate it rather than repent for it and get it out of our lives. If you cut the head off of a serpent, it is dead and done and will not come back to life. But if you want to bag it up and move it around and pretend like it's not there, it will multiply, it will come back even stronger, and it will destroy you and I. We cannot afford to pet sin in this hour. We cannot afford to pretend that our sin will not send us to hell. God is after a holy people. He's after a righteous people. Jesus, it says in the word of God, is coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. Not forcefully, not manipulatively, but from the heart, joyfully, willingly submitting to Christ. It is an honor and life's greatest privilege and pleasure to serve the Lord and love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is nothing better that you and I could do with our time, with our money, with our family, with our energy, but serve the Lord and Master who is the hope of the nations. I implore you, if you are here this morning and you are searching for God, you are seeking to follow Jesus, but you are having a burdened and heavy and hard time, Jesus wants to offer you life and life abundantly. He wants to offer you real rest. He wants you to be able to sleep peacefully at night because nothing is keeping you up anymore. You have no secrets. Everything's in the light. And your conscience is clean. Your hands are pure. God didn't send me here. He didn't send me here this morning for one or two. I believe there are many. I want to read you a poem that I wrote. If I could have the worship team come up. I believe I'm supposed to give an altar call this morning. But I wrote a poem two weeks ago. And I don't consider myself a poet, so be gracious to me and bear with me. But the Lord gave me a poem and when he gave me the poem, I wasn't even really sure, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he reminded me of it this morning at about five in the morning. And he placed this on my heart to read this at the end of this message because I believe there are some today that you need to get born again. You need to come out of your sin, come out of your addiction, your depression, your dysfunction, your self-hatred, whatever it is. This is your moment, and today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not later, but today. And then I believe there are some of us that are going to realize through this moment that, you know what, I've been following a Jesus that's not really the Son of God. I've adopted a, a form of godliness, but denied its power to really change and transform me from the inside out. Do you know how you know if you're born again? 
Because you love things that you used to hate and hate things that you used to love. Because a new heart and a new mind and new desires are operating within you. Where your old life, your old friends, they don't even recognize you anymore. Like, who in the world is that? And then all your new friends who are believers in Jesus, they can't even imagine you in sin and the stories you tell. Like, man, I just can't fathom you doing that. Yeah, because that person is dead and crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. As darkness spreads across the land, a righteous remnant for God will stand. Would you stand? While hatred grows and sin expands, the risen king's people will lift their hands. They will not cower, nor will they flee. They're rooted in Christ, not tossed by the sea. They're a holy people, chosen and free, set apart to proclaim His excellency. They will not crumble, but remain steadfast, for only what's done for Christ will last. And when their final day has passed, their lives will preach a grace so vast. The time is now to gather oil, to guard your heart and be good soil, to store up treasure that will not spoil, for to Christ alone we must be loyal. Who could save us from our sin? To what could we ever compare Him? A grace so wide, a mercy so real, a peace the enemy could never steal. Jesus Christ, You reign supreme. You're better than my wildest dream. Your love is better than life itself. I'll trade the world and all its wealth to know you and to see your face, to feel the warmth of your embrace. I'm undone. My eyes have seen the King. So with every breath, I'll praise and sing. Glory to God. Lord, you are holy. You fellowship with the meek and lowly. Awaken your church. Stir up your bride. Let them see the one who bled and died the one who rose and conquered sin one day all will stand before him without excuse and with none to blame some rejoicing and others put to shame the hour is late the need is great confess Christ now or seal your fate turn from sin and be made new and receive all he's done for you tomorrow's not promised Today is the day. Run now to Jesus without delay. Touch his nail-scarred hands. See the fire in his eyes. Repent for all your lust and lies. His truth will cut, yet set you free. His presence will mark you for all eternity. Hide not your sins, bring them into the light. For you are precious in his sight. He will heal you and restore the broken pieces. Submit now and call upon the mighty, matchless, precious, holy, beautiful, magnificent name of Jesus. Let's call upon the name of Jesus right now. Lord, we lift you up in this house. God, we exalt you. Lord, we behold you. Father, I pray that you would lift up your son this morning. That you would bring us out of all deception, of every lie, and that you alone would be seen as righteous and holy and beautiful and so real. Lord, you are the one who resurrected from the dead. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the firstborn of all creation. You're the bread of life, the bright morning star. You're the cornerstone. You're our deliverer, our king, our our Savior, our friend, our brother, you alone have the keys of death and hell. Oh, I wish somebody would worship Jesus with me this morning. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you thankful? Can you lift up a shout of praise to the one who is worthy, to the one who is holy? 
Somebody bless the name of the Lord with me. Come on. You can do better than that. Jesus gave his very life for you and I.